Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we're just doing our damnedest to make the world 10% nicer, and we're super glad, super glad that you are here to help us get there by every means necessary. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today we are joined by cannabis industry legend and eminently super nice human, Andrew D'Angelo. Andrew has pioneered legal cannabis business processes and provided groundbreaking political engagement and thought leadership to the cannabis community. He led the design and development of gold standard cannabis retail by innovating many firsts for the industry. Things like introducing CBD medicines to heal severely epileptic children, implementing the first lab testing program in the history of cannabis dispensing, creating child-resistant packaging for edibles, standardizing inventory tracking, and a lot more. Andrew is also founding board of directors member of the California Cannabis Industry Association, the premier cannabis industry trade association in California. And he's also a severely accomplished actor. But putting all of that aside, today Andrew is with us primarily to talk about his role as co-founder of the nonprofit Last Prisoner Project, LPP. Gotta have acronyms, makes things easy. LPP's mission is to free and reintegrate all cannabis prisoners on earth into mainstream society. Did you know that cannabis legalization in the USA is supported by a strong majority of both Republicans and Democrats? Yeah. One of the few things both sides seem to agree on. So I think it seems reasonable that we can together advocate for the release of the tens of thousands of nonviolent cannabis prisoners who are sitting right now as this voice, this beautiful voice of mine, hit your earbuds, are in jail for conducting a business that is now so acceptable and mainstream that there are hundreds, hundreds, I, I counted earlier, of publicly traded cannabis stocks. Let's not make the same mistake we did after Prohibition when many U.S. citizens were left to rot in jail for providing what the vast majority wanted to consume while a fickle and non-representative government vacillated on legalities. I mean, can you imagine someone going to jail for life for making your favorite IPA? Hmm? I don't think so. A super nice world a super nicer world demands that we free these prisoners. And Andrew, along with many, many, many others, are fighting that fight, and they want you to join it. So listen in. Listen in to learn how easy it is for you to help. If you're a cannabis user, some would say it's your moral duty. Some would say it's not if you're not. So listen in. Love to know what you think. A couple of quick items. Our super nice club member of the week is Danielle Monk. Danielle is a film student at Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT, as well as an actor, writer, and comedian. We just love her energy, her smile, and style, and are super glad to have her, have you, Danielle, in the club. Learn more about Danielle on ye old Instagram at at Danielle, that's D-A-N-Y-E-L-L, underscore, that's a little line on the bottom, monk81, Danielle underscore monk81. All right, this is episode number 60, a.k.a. three score. So here are some super nice 60s for you. All right, the Babylonian cuneiform numerals had a base of 60, inherited from the Sumerian and Akkadian civilizations. Who knew? I guess some of you knew. I didn't know. 
Uh, numerologically, 60 is the number for family, home, and nurturing. That's cool. Here's my favorite one. The first fullerene to be discovered was Buckminster Fullerene. Buckminster Fuller is one of the coolest humans to have ever lived. He's on a, on a level with, with uh, Da Vinci and, and all the true polymaths. Anyway, uh, the first fullerene to be discovered was Buckminster Fullerene, C60, an allotrope of carbon with 60 atoms in each molecule arranged in a truncated icosahedron. The ball is known as a buckyball, and it looks like a soccer ball. Yeah. The, the code for international direct dial calls to Malaysia is 60. Lots of bad things happening in Malaysia right now. Uh, not so super nice. The highest attainable level in World of Warcraft is 60. But that doesn't include the, the five latest expansions. And it's also, you might not know this, 57 plus 3. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. So yeah, there's some 60s for you. All right, you ready? Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with Andrew D'Angelo. Andrew, Andrew D'Angelo is in the Super Nice Club. You're on Nice Work. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with all of you today. You know that I'm in LA. I already told you that. So where exactly are you in the Bay Area? I'm sitting in my home office in the Oakland Hills, uh, and I've got the beautiful black backdrop behind me. This actually, this is a photograph from my backyard of a sunset in the past that I took. So um, uh, that's where I am. I'm in the Oakland Hills. That's your, your Zoom backdrop is your... Is yeah, it's my Zoom outside. backdrop. Yeah. Listeners, all Andrew can see is a bunch of blue foam and a super nice club logo and a little bit of acoustic fabric, I think in the uh, podcast studio not a very sexy look <laughs> it's acoustically appropriate what i really want to talk about here i just want to jump right into it which is you're a director at the last prisoner project which i'm a big fan of so you're here just want to dive deep into this i grabbed some text from the website to help tee this up for you real quick because it's a short video and i think it's so great i'm just going to read it and i think you all listeners your minds are going to go, oh, I get it. I get why, why Todd thinks that this is a super nice thing that needs to be talked about more. All right, ready for this? Set it all up. Here we go. Imagine sitting in a cell for years, decades, or even for life, convicted of an activity that is no longer a crime, while thousands of people build intergenerational wealth doing exactly the same thing. That is the situation that over 40,000 cannabis prisoners face today, right now, in the United States. That's, to me, that just, that's kind of says everything. So just take it from there. Well, that's a shocking statistic. I'm sure everyone that listened to that probably didn't know it before. And it's one of the reasons we started The Last Prison Project. My brother Steve and I and, and a few other co-founders now the organization is, I can't say we're all grown up, but we're, we're on our feet at least. And we had our best month ever in January 14. Long-term serving prisoners, decade-long long serving prisoners were released. And it's not just Last Prisoner Project. There's a lot of wonderful organizations working on this. There's Cage Free Cannabis and there's, uh, oh, there's too many to list. But 
so many organizations working on either social justice or social equity. I actually have an article in Playboy that dropped today where I talk about um, uh, this a little bit more, more, more on the social equity side. But uh, okay. our mission is to get everybody out of prison who's locked up for weed. Uh, this is they never should have been locked up in the first place. And, and now we're legalizing cannabis all over the country and the world. And there, there are gigantic weed operations publicly traded in Canada and other places that are literally hundreds of millions, worth hundreds of millions and even billions of dollars in some cases. And those companies are doing the exact same thing that all those folks are, are still locked up for. So something's wrong with that picture. And, and, and we, 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 we're in just this moment of time. It, 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 we're in this moment of time where we're transitioning, you know, and we all have to pitch in and help with that. So that, that last prisoner project is trying to accelerate the process of getting people out and writing the, the wrongs of that past. And, uh, you know, hopefully our organization ends someday. Everybody's out and we're, we can just, whoo, a job well done. Move on to the next, uh, the next challenge, the next, the next thing to make the world nicer, right? Yeah, absolutely. Here's to that. That is one of the things that gets talked about a little bit when you are getting ready to change a law. Here in California, it was Prop um, 215. Was that the first one? Yes, 215. Yeah, okay. yeah so mm-hmm. when 215 was a thing and people were talking about it, if I remember correctly, it took a couple of times to pass. Uh, or maybe it happened in the first time, but there were there were other propositions to legalize. Yes, no, fail. California yeah. had quite yeah. a few propositions that yeah. failed. Uh, two fifteen was the first one that succeeded in nineteen ninety six uh, for med- medical. When that was going through, and then later ones, people were talking about like, hey, so when the day comes when cannabis is is legalized recreationally, what's going to happen to all the people that are in prison? that are in jail. And the answer was usually like, ah, you know, um, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so it's one of those things that nobody knew what we're going to do. So this is why you exist. And this is, happens not just with cannabis laws, but anytime there's a, a law that changes where something that was illegal either gets completely decriminalized or becomes from a felony to a misdemeanor or something like that. It doesn't just mean that people go free. Can you explain? Because I, I think a lot of people assume that that might kind of be the case. Can you explain why it requires, what does it require? A pardon uh, or something like that to get these people out? Well, I'm glad you raised that point because most people do assume that when a law changes, everyone just gets out and everything's cool. And that's not the case at all. Uh, so our prisoners, unfortunately, are, are very much forgotten in our society. And whether they're violent criminals or cannabis prisoners, the conditions of, uh, of prisons are horrifying and, and the treatment of, of our prisoners is terrible. <laughs> and there's a lot of reform that's needed there. Thankfully, some of that reform is beginning to happen. And, uh, you know, we just got to get people out um, for, for cannabis. Uh, it, it's our moral imperative to do it. And um, the reason it's so hard to get people out is because once you've been busted and all your appeals have been exhausted, you're convicted, you're in jail. And yeah. the only way to get out is a pardon or a commutation by a governor or a president, or sometimes it depends what state you live in. Sometimes it's a parole board that does it, usually a governor. Uh, right. And it's really hard to get those folks to sign commutations for anybody and cannabis prisoners too. So 
it just takes a lot of work. It's enormously difficult to do. And then if you're going through the appeal process, um, you know, we unfortunately last prisoner project doesn't have the resources to help with that yet, but hopefully people can, can do better in appeals now that that legalization is happening and juries are starting to see what's going on with the disparity between the legalization and, and folks getting busted. Um, so uh, it's just enormously hard. So uh, and then when we legalize weed, what we have to do is we have to pass certain provisions in the law that hopefully would retroactively release everybody. We haven't been able to get that done anywhere. Um, it's too politically risky for the legislatures in any state to agree to that. Um, but uh, we have had mass expungement of records mm -hmm. in places like Colorado and um, Illinois uh, we've had thousands, literally, and sometimes tens of thousands. Is that after they've served their sentences? The the yes, that's your record. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. That's your record to carry that goes with you after you serve okay. your time. You have a record, and that makes it very hard to get a apartment. Oh, yeah. it makes it very hard to get a job. It makes it, if you're imagine if you're a landlord or you're an employer and somebody has a criminal record, what what it, how do you feel about hiring them or, or giving them an apartment? You probably will probably choose someone who doesn't have the record if given the choice, right? So I, I, again, our prisoners are lost. There's so much bias against them. And, and, and when you've been locked up for something that shouldn't have been a crime in the first place, and then you can't get an apartment or a job because you have this thing following you around, it's particularly frustrating and, and demoralizing. So we work on expunging records and that's called expungement. And uh, that's a whole nother process. It's not too different than commutation. You basically are submitting petitions to different boards, parole boards and government agencies and people that handle the justice system in any particular state or sometimes the feds. Um, and you're trying to get those records expunged. And that really helps people re-enter into society, which is the third thing that uh, Last Prisoner Project as we help people re-enter. And since we just got a few people out, we're, we're excited. We've been posting a lot of People can check out our social media, Last Prisoner Project. Our, our, our website is lastprisonerproject.org. Really easy to plug in. You don't have to give money. If you want to write a letter to a prisoner, you can do that too. Uh, there's lots of different ways to get involved that it doesn't necessarily involve money. And, um, you know, all, all, all together, if we work hard enough and sacrifice enough, and we're going to get this done. So it's entirely possible. And uh, the wind's at our back and um, we're building momentum. We have a very long, long, long way to go and a big mountain to climb. But, you know, for those that are locked up for weed, there's hope. There's a little bit of hope right now. There's Last Prison Project. There's other groups. There's people like me that are working really hard. You know, I could be doing anything yeah. um, with, with my time in the cannabis industry, but I'm, I'm doing this. And um and, and so you do a lot of things, which we're going to get to. You, you've been doing a lot of things for a long time. So that you putting your time into this is huge. I, I want to go back to what you said a minute ago, which is that you said in, in January, you have 14 people out. Now, that's 14 people around the country. Is that 14? Uh, around the country. Yeah. yeah. The longest serving nonviolent cannabis prisoner in Michigan, Michael Thompson. He was released and many others. And these were long serving prisoners. So welcome back, you know, Michael. Welcome back, you, Michael. You have 14 released. What does that look like? Does that mean you're working on 25 or 200? I mean, how much um, does it take to get 14 out? And these are 
individual i would imagine right each case you have to go to a, a judge oh it took I mean, it took thousands of hours like that uh, yeah. hundreds of people all kinds of different lawyers all okay. kinds of different organizations it wasn't just our organization all kinds of people doing pro bono work um and uh it was a real village um it took years and years and years and years and years and years and years to get these folks out um lpp was the, probably the last two, only around two years. We've only been around two years. So we got into, we joined the collaborative effort, you know, two years ago, but there were all kinds of folks working on this, um, uh, uh, like DD Kirkland and, uh, you know, I mentioned cage free cannabis and, uh, others. So, you know, and our pipeline is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, our pipeline is, 40, <laughs> yeah, 40,000 full. But, you know, of course, we have to prioritize and 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 people that are long serving uh, prisoners are part of our priority. And also doing the low hanging fruit like the expungement is a, a big priority to just get that done. So we try to balance out our limited resources, you know, and right now we're actually investing a lot of our, our fundraising into reentry. And, and you'll see in our social pictures of people that have gotten re-entry grants from us and um, their story. And I'm, I'm thankful that we are now in a place where our constituents that have been released can basically help us run the organization and, and, and soon will run the entire organization. I'm sure, um, you know, in a matter of time that that's one of the things we're trying to do is employ these, these prisoners ourselves in the last prisoner right. project and, and lead by example. So, our entire reentry division actually is led by um, uh, former prisoners. And, and so uh, that's another part of this, too. And, and we try to place folks who want to be placed in the cannabis industry. And of course, a lot of folks are on supervised release. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not total, you know, released yet. We're still <laughs> right. working on that. Um, you know, you just got to get people out. You know, these are these are terrible environments that people are in. They're separated from their loved ones. They can't do anything, can't work, can't make money. Uh, you got to get them out. And then, you know, we try to get the release, the supervised release taken away, you know, eventually, too. And um, sometimes they can't be have a job that touches the cannabis plant. You know, they have to right. they have to have a job that is an auxiliary job or, you know, some other job you know, in the bookkeeping department or something like that. Um, uh, and, and so we, we figure out ways of, of complying with the law, complying with the release and making sure that, you know, the folks that are on the other side of the table with us are our are, are, are jails and our sheriffs and our um, prison boards. They're not our enemies. We're not trying to be contentious. They're, they're really our partners. And so um, it's important that, you know, I honor and recognize them too. And and anybody in the, in, that are your listeners that are part of that community, please reach out to us so so we can work together. I'm, I'm sure you'd like to get nonviolent cannabis prisoners out, um, so Absolutely. you can fo- focus on the on the more hardcore folks. And that's a good reminder to thank all of the I'm not sure who governors, judges, juries, anybody who has agreed to have these these sentences uh clemency granted and expunged i don't know my legal <laughs> uh yeah no all that i mean it, 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 it's a really brave thing that. to do yeah, yeah it's a really that's... brave thing to do in this political environment we live in today it's a really brave thing to do no matter what you do on this issue you get people out or you keep people in yeah that you're going to get crushed by somebody 
And um, if you keep people in, you're going to get crushed by people like me yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and you um, potentially. Um, but, yep. but it's really not about crushing each other, hating on each other. Like I said, we're all partners in this together. And there's no reason to have these folks locked up in prison. There's no threat to society. And um, it's just costing all of us taxpayers a ton of money. It's, it's the right thing to do. And so working together, um, I, I hope we can accelerate the process. Uh, you know, having said all that, it's, it's moving far too slow. And, and, and our partners on the other side of the table have to get in gear, really, honestly, um, and, and stop dragging feet a little bit. What are some of the, the big primary objections to releasing these prisoners? Well, the, the objections is that these are, uh, you know, for there's a there's a good portion of law enforcement and even regular society, maybe even your listeners who think cannabis should be illegal and think mm-hmm. it's criminal act to grow, transport, sell, consume cannabis. And, and folks that do that rightfully should be locked up and to release them is to cause harm and danger to society. There are people that really honestly with all their heart and soul believe that and will believe that probably till the day they die. And, you know, that's just a fact. We live in a society, a free society, a democratic society. And and so right now, a majority of people want to see this plant legalized for medical, certainly, and and in many places for all adults. And that's how you run a peaceful, free society, majority rules. And it took us a long time to, to reach these majorities. We're at overwhelming majorities for legalization, 90% for medical, 68% for adult. We're winning in Mississippi and South Dakota and, and places like that um, for elections. Uh, the people have spoken and, and it's time for our leaders to listen. And, and, and certainly getting people out of prison is the first yeah. thing we can do. But, but, but certainly, you know, we have to create access to this plant, affordable access to this plant to everybody, um, um, because that's, that's how we're going to get the job done and create jobs uh, and, and prisons and, and create economic activity and, and sustainable activity, I might add, um, and not just on the medical or intoxication side of it. There's a whole industrial hemp conversation I'm sure you've had, but industrial hemp's going to make the world a lot nicer too. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we're in this beginning of this uh, cannabis hemp renaissance that's, that my brother Steve calls the cannabis renaissance. And, um, and it's really exciting to be a part of. And uh, anybody out there listening that's not a part of it, that's intrigued, uh, come on in. It's a, it's a, it's, we could use your talent and skill and, and the cannabis industry has an opportunity to be a new kind of industry that is sustainable, that, that embraces diversity, that allows people of color to have not just a little bit of ownership, but massive ownership and wealth. Uh, and we can really create something new and, and maybe be a model for other in- industries. So that's the vision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you gotta it's have a vision. Me. If you want to get to the, if you want to get to the destination. Absolutely. You know, about making the world nicer, like your program says, you know, that's the essence of it. So people who are listening to this and getting fired up about it, or they're already interested because that's why they, they click play like, ah. Oh, Canvas Prison for me. This is my podcast. There are a number of ways to help out with with your project, right? Letter writing, uh, Partners for Freedom. Is that what it's called? Yeah, we have Partners for Freedom. Roll. There's a lot. What can people do? Um, There's so many different ways. 
starting with going to the website, right? Yeah, uh, lastprisonerproject.org slash get involved, I think it is, um, uh, or get active, one of those two. Uh, We list all the programs that you can plug into. If you're a cannabis company, Roll It Up for Freedom is is a program where where, um, people give their change at the register into a little bucket that says Last Prisoner Project. You can also do that digitally. Um, Partners of Freedom is a similar program, but it's for cultivators and manufacturers, and they give a small small portion of their sales, you know, to of each unit um, to to Last Prisoner Project. Those two programs, the industry's really responded, uh, and and that, that that accounts for a big chunk of our fundraising. Of okay. course, you know, any nonprofit is relies on both small and large donors. So of course we do too. We also do fundraising events more pre-COVID than now. Of course. Um, but 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 we do that and uh, sometimes virtual events. We have a, a great advisory board you can check out on the website. Lots of celebrities, Damian Marley, Jim Belushi, uh, Melissa Etheridge, uh, some pretty amazing human beings. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of other people. And I don't want to, they're all amazing human beings and, and, and uh, they all help us too. And, um, yes, the letter writing campaign on the website is, I, is a really rewarding thing to do that costs you a stamp being a pen pal of the cannabis prisoner is a really uplifting experience. And, and, And when you, when you're locked up and you get that letter, I cannot overstate how, Amaze! What the feeling is when you get a letter when you're locked up in prison? It 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 really gives you a sense of hope and connection and belonging, and that some that you're being seen and that you're being heard, and that can just mean the world to a prisoner that's having a really crappy day locked up, and they get that letter, and it's 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 a lifeline. So. I encourage people to do that. And, All right, folks, um, you get to write a letter. I'm, I'm going to hereby commit to writing at least one letter um, by the end of this, this weekend. Today's Friday that we're doing this conversation. So anybody else out there wants to commit to writing a letter, uh, commit to writing a letter. I will send you in the mail something. I don't know. Patch. Super Nice Club patch. Some stickers. I don't know what. This is honor system, right? So just message Super Nice Club one way or another. If you're going to do a letter... I mean, you're going to do it anyway, but just because you're being super nice, it's not like you're doing it quid pro quo just to get some free super nice club stickers. But if it'll just kind of help you, I'll send you stuff. I'll send you a little swag kit. Any, any letter writers out there. Also, another challenge, if you're a coffee drinker, when you go get coffee, it's like five bucks for the tip, right? Go without today. Just, just do without and text freedom right now to 24365. The word freedom to 24365 and just send that five bucks. Just send it into Last Prison Project. There's probably, I'm just guessing, a thing where you can click where you can become a monthly donor. You'll never miss that five bucks. I mean, it'll come out somewhere mm-hmm. once a year, but that's 60 bucks a year that they can count on. Because once you once you become a monthly donor, unless your credit card gets stolen, you never quit. <laughs> you're on the hook. You know, you're you're, <laughs> you're a forever giver. So commit to that if you can. Uh, freedom. The number is 24365. That'll be in the show notes as well. So those are some ways that people can get involved. I, I, I noticed that you mentioned that some of the big companies are getting involved. There are such huge companies. There are holding companies. There's like, uh, top of my head, Dosis, Canopy, MedMen, and, and others that are building wild, wild wealth. Some of these are part of billion-dollar holding companies. 
so are you getting a lot of support from the industry for the last prison project? Uh, are you getting as much as you think you should be getting? What's the industry doing? How are they chipping in? What's give me give me a grade? Give me a, a report card for the industry. Uh, I would say we we had a much. I would say we're doing about a C. <laughs> okay. Um, we 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 still have a lot more support that we we need to get. Um, uh, but we do have some big multi-state operators that are doing great work for us. Um, all of that is also on the website, by the way, our, our partners and, and, and our brand partners, there's a giant list of them. Please support them, buy their products, go visit their dispensaries. Um, and, um, you know, it's a big, it's a big part of, of how we exist. Um, but you're right. I mean, we've just scratched the surface of the potential and not just our organization, all the social justice and equity organizations need a lot of donations from uh, these folks that you mentioned should be donating millions of dollars yeah, to these organizations. Should it should be millions and millions yeah. of dollars they should be doing. And, and, you know, we're lucky if we can get a five figure donation, you know, from from um, now our partners, you know, we, we've got some partners that are just crushing it. Um, and um, and we're getting steady monthly income. That's that's quite amazing. Uh, but there's also a lot of folks that could do more that aren't doing enough. So, um, you know, we just got to keep telling the story and, and, you know, I'm hoping we're building some momentum, you know, it, 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 you know with each prisoner we're able to release, it helps us release more It helps us build momentum. It helps people believe that we can do it. Yeah. And, you know, and so want to be associated with, it. I mean, your, your company gets associated with LPP in a pretty big way or, or all the other justice groups. Um, um, you get a pretty powerful association that your customers that can come to appreciate, uh, yeah. and, and, and create loyalty, um, with. So that's, that's what's in it for the companies. <laughs> yeah. If you're a cannabis yeah. user out there, whatever brand you're using, um, check in with them, see if they're supporting, a social justice movement in the cannabis world. Mm -hmm. you know, if they're supporting it financially, uh, if they are, keep supporting that brand. If not, maybe consider telling that brand you'd love to support them again once they commit to giving back to this community. Just, just an idea, just a thought. Pressure does work, especially since a lot of these companies are still so young. This is a nascent industry. They, they are listening. They're they're hyper competitive. They are, uh, it's an industry where consumer feedback does mean a lot. Um, and before we jump off this topic, if you're still listening to this and you're, you're like that compassion switch that you have, which is huge, you have a big heart because I tend to believe that all humans do, but sometimes it's restricted in little areas and, and, and you just, your compassion switch is kind of short-circuited around this topic of allowing nonviolent, needs to be reset, nonviolent offenders out of prison because you just kind of think, well, crime's a crime. You got to serve your time. I'm just asking you to maybe just sit for a second later and think about where your opposition is coming from and think about, you know, that this industry is more and more widely legal every day all around the United States. And people who have served time, you know, they, these, these are people who have served time. Uh, and how much time you have to serve varies state by state. The, the laws are crazy and oftentimes really unfair. See if you can find it in you to think, oh, yeah, you know what? Maybe it would be better for everybody involved if these people were freed from prison. I, I can't argue, and neither can Andrew, facts and figures, because we know that when you're sort of 
set in your way on one side or the other of the subject, those don't really mean anything because we will filter anything that works against what we, what we think we know. I'm asking you to instead just come at it from sort of a compassion for humanity perspective, but just, you know, think about it. Think about it. Think about lowering your resistance on this topic. I, I didn't really get that across super cleanly, but you get the spirit of what I'm saying, right, Andrew? I think I thought I was very eloquent, man. Okay. We, you know, we, we all have to open our minds to, to, to new ways of thinking right now. Clearly um, a lot. We all have to, yeah, we, we have a lot to fix. <laughs> so about you, about Andrew, besides the last prison project, your mission, your mission in life. I saw a quote in Forbes and it quoted you as saying, my goal is and has always been to create a new industry with new values for society. Great quote in Forbes. What, what are these values? Well, it's kindness, not cruelty. It's sustainability, not unsustainability. <laughs> it's, um, uh, it's equality, not inequality. It's love, not hate. It's peace, not war. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's the golden rule, man. It, mm -hmm. it, it's really, it's, it's, we, we have a, everything's about the transaction right now. And, and, and we have to make things about the transactions are important and we, we all have to, you know, have motivations to, to make energy happen so we can keep a roof our, over our heads. But there's, we've really gotten out of hand with it. Right. And, mm -hmm. and we're in a, a uh, moment of crisis on this planet <laughs> uh, where we, we really have to take a look at how we're behaving and examine it and everything from top to bottom. It's just not what's going on in prisons. It's how we feed ourselves and how we house ourselves and right. how we, you know, all those things when, when we're talking about sustainability in particular, um, we're going to have to remake all of that. There's a ton of opportunity in the, that transformative acts um, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, Bill Gates just wrote a book about this. We have this thing called cannabis and, and other plant medicine, visionary plant medicine. And I believe these plants do a lot of that work for us. You can't change people from the outside in. It just doesn't work. You can make all the intellectual arguments you want. You can present all the data in the world. But if you don't move people in their hearts or emotionally, you're not going to get them to change. And, and plant medicine does that. When you take cannabis or you take other plant visionaries, it changes you. It changes how you feel. It changes your consciousness. It changes your body. It changes um, your pain profile. Uh, it changes your outlook. It can give you inspiration and hope and make you feel more connected to nature and other people, give you a sense of patience and understanding of others, empathy. These are qualities we need to enhance. And um, these plants uh, do that for us. And our job is to get in the hands of everybody uh, yeah. um, uh, in an affordable, safe way. And the way that I hope people will have consensus around is legal and, and safe and accessible to everybody. So that's the moment we're in. We're in the moment of building that right. and, and a bridge to that, to that world. And, and um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great adventure we're on right now. And I, I do see a lot of, we, you know, it, we're going to win some and lose some along the journey of creating a new kind of industry. You know, there's going to be some effed up elements to the global cannabis industry. There's going to be plenty of non-sustainable 
not very well behaved actors on the stage, <laughs> anything that involves commerce, you know, right. I think has that. But we have to get this plant widely distributed to seven billion people. So there's going to be a little bit of exuberance along the way. And there's going to be some other things along the way and some unintended consequences. But, you know, we all just have to hold hands and believe uh, and trust the plant. The plant knows uh, what to do. Everybody will come to see that and feel that themselves if we do our job. <laughs> well, you've been doing your job for a while and now you're recognized widely as one of the just the top consultants globally around cannabis. Uh, but that's because you've been doing this for a while. So can you kind of talk about, I mean, going back to the, the Prop 215 advocacy, which was so huge, California is obviously always a leader in this stuff because um, we're just big and we're a bunch of dirty hippies. And, but also Harborside, early leader in the Bay Area there. Can you take us through a little bit like you're cutting your teeth into the industry? And also, I want to know when you knew, like if, if you can remember, was there a moment where you're like, this is going to be my, I'm going to be a, a, a disciple, an advocate of, the, of, of this plan. This is my big thing. Did you ever have to, did you ever have that moment? Was, was there, because this is a while ago, the stigma was so much greater around cannabis, right? Which yeah. is not kind of universally cool. But when you started, I want to know if anyone tried to, to steer you clear of it. Well, I, I had the benefit of my older brother, Steve D'Angelo, um, who's about 10 years older than me. So I, I had a guide okay. and I grew, I grew up with cannabis all around me and my brother in the industry. And, and he, he exposed me to cannabis but I was an athlete as a kid, so I didn't take cannabis from my brother until I was in high school. I got hurt and I had a physical injury and, and I was depressed as well. And um, I decided to take the joint that my brother offered me when he saw how miserable I was one day in my mom's kitchen. And um, then I had that transformative experience pretty much right away. And, and my physical pain went away. And, and, and I knew at that moment that the plant would be with me the rest of my life, that I'd work with the plant and I'd work with my brother. Um, and I hey, knew it at that very moment. Yeah. All so right. you had a, a, did you say a football injury? Is that what it was? Uh, no, I was a tennis player. So okay. I had a tennis Did you get injury. back on the court? Um, Tennis is one of those sports that you have to make it young and I wanted to be a professional. So in high school, I was off the injury, put me off for almost a year. So that pretty much killed it. I did, of course, like all young and stubborn men um, came back and tried to, to, to play again, but, but I, I, I wasn't really able to reach the level I wanted. And, and, um, and I got interested in other things. The cannabis, I was still smoking weed all the time when I got back on the court and I was, you know, exploring theater arts and acting and hanging out with creative kids and smoking weed with them. And, you know, it, my, my mind was opening up to other things and being a professional athlete seems less interesting um, at that point. So, so I went off to college and studied theater arts and, took a half a pound of weed with me and <laughs> uh, luckily didn't get caught on the airplane um, with it and uh, uh, sold weed out of the dorms and, and advocated as best you could in 1985 on campus without getting kicked out and destroyed, but uh, managed to graduate with honors and um, cannabis. I wanted to be an actor and a professional creative 
early in my life, but but I was also really good at the cannabis trail. So after my studies were done, I, I rejoined with my brother and sort of the rest is history. And we had to legalize weed. So um, we were trading weed underground and then we legalized medical, like you said, Prop 215. And, and then we also did the same thing in Washington, D.C. a couple of years later in 1998. Uh, the federal government would not allow us to implement the law in Washington, D.C. so that... Um, alienated us quite a bit. And then, and then of course my brother got busted. So that wasn't, so we, we got out of <laughs> the East coast as quickly as we could get the legal case behind us and, and started over in California. And then we were lucky and fortunate and skilled enough to get the, one of the first dispensary licenses ever issued by a municipality, the city of Oakland uh, and opened Harborside in 06, 2006. We, pretty much instantaneously were a big overnight success and um, lots of people embraced what we were doing there and patients and vendors and growers and healers and doctors and community leaders and nonprofits. And we all had a, we built a community center there um, And that lasted until 2018 when adult use came in. And unfortunately, the adult use framework in California is not very good and and killed a lot of the good stuff that was in the medical program. And we've been trying to clean it up ever since. And unfortunately, haven't had much success. Uh, um, But I'm hopeful that uh, soon we'll be able to reform Prop 64 and open up the state. You know, 60 percent of California is still banned. Um, uh, uh, 75% of Michigan's banned, 40% of Colorado even, um, is banned. So do we have all these bands at the local level and all this stigma and problems still little bit by little bit, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll open things up and, and, um, um, but that, that's the story of Harborside. Now I left Harborside a year or two ago. We, we took company public in the Canadian stock exchange, uh, for a lot of different reasons. We had some legal hassles with the federal government we had to um uh, raise money to to fight and clean up um but um so i exited harborside started last prisoner project started a little consulting uh business so i help um, people all over the world in the country start their cannabis companies or or optimize their current cannabis operations or help social equity groups or legacy groups get in or stay in or be in uh the industry and I'm now really excited about things like Mexico legalizing and um, what's going on uh, in other parts of the world. I'm starting to consult internationally and, and boy, can't wait to be able to travel again so I can do that work a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I'm a very much of a retail leader. I like to be with people. I like to be embedded in my projects and scenes that I'm working on. Um, and so it's been really hard not to be able to do that. <laughs> I have two questions from the Super Nice Club Insider community. Uh, if, you All right. be, if you want to be part of the community, you get to ask questions of the guests. Um, all kinds of stuff we give away for free uh, all the time on there. Um, never, never bomb me with any sort of sales stuff. It's just a fun, inspirational texting thing you can be part of. Just text, text. Uh, what are we going to text? Text freedom as well. Text freedom to three one zero four two one. 0393 3104210393. Uh, anyway, so we have two questions from the insiders. One is from Dominique. She's right here in Los Angeles. 
She wants to know if you can predict any changes during the Biden era regarding prison reform. And I'll follow up on that a little bit by, you know, asking, you know, how sure are these gains? Are they just, do you think that they can be easily withdrawn in another administration? Well, Dominique, uh, that's a great question. I, I, I think it's going to be up to us to really put a lot of pressure on the Biden administration to do more. The Trump administration is the one that released those prisoners in, in January that I mentioned. So um, it's up to the Biden administration to do better than that. And certainly they should, right? You'd think so. That would be the intuitive, instinctual uh, uh, thought there. So um, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we will have prison reform. Um, I hope major prisoner reform in Biden's first term. I'm not sure it'll happen before the midterm elections. Um, it might, they, they, they might get scared and do it, which is, I don't think good strategy, but that's another, <laughs> for another, we, we uh, get a whole topic. different, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, okay. but no, I'm very hopeful for, for prison reform. I'm very hopeful for cannabis um, and prison reform and more and more expungement and reentry and, and release. Uh, I, I, I'm very hopeful. Uh, it won't be easy. Uh, and we'll we'll lose some we'll lose some battles. Can you put it back in the bottle? Uh, are we in danger of, of people getting locked up for weed again? Could this could, could could this get reversed? Yeah, it could get reversed. We have to make sure it doesn't. <laughs> um, I don't think there's so much momentum behind us that it would be very very hard to reverse. But you just think about some scenarios that could happen. I mean. Yeah. You know, um, uh, if 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 there was a terrible accident involving cannabis, if there was a terrible thing that happened, people got hurt. Right. God forbid, died. The thing could change. Okay, um, public opinion could change, and so we have to do our job right. We have to do this safe. We have to make people feel good, safe. That's why we have to be responsible. We have to do a better job than the regular industries. We have to behave better than the normal business folks. We have to, you know, do more and more uh, and prove ourselves uh, and build trust. It's, it's very, very important. So, um, yes, it can be taken away. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then we have to keep up the pressure as well. You know, if, if you uh, are a Biden voter and you're expecting that administration to do things that were promised, don't do that. You know, make the phone calls, keep up the pressure. And while we're asking for things, ask for Biden to get the boot off the neck of the students, you know, and go for these larger college loan forgiveness. All right. He's resistant. His administration is resistant. I can't say it. Administration is resistant to meaningful college debt reduction. And we got to change that for the next generation coming up to, to not have crushing debt. So anyway, so stressful. It's so yeah. stressful and it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. We need a we need a college tuition jubilee. Jessica from Santa Rosa, here to me, Santa Rosa, California, uh, has a question. This is a long one. I, I'm going to just read it for the first time here. I'll probably butcher it. What is the cannabis community doing to be inclusive to other social justice movements? What is the industry doing to lessen the institutional harms or prohibition from access, implicit biases and oppressive language? That is a, a, a big question. Well, we're not doing enough. That's for sure. But I, 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 I can tell you that our nonprofit social justice organization, Last Prisoner Project, we collaborate with a lot of other um, social justice groups. And uh, we want to collaborate with more and more social justice groups. That, that's very important that, that we do that because it, it, we have strength in numbers uh, and, and 
ownership for people of color in cannabis industry is 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 19 percent for 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 black folks it's only four percent it's no good um we we gotta do a lot better than that um, i want to see 40 50 60 70 percent um that's the kind of industry i'm talking about and that's gonna that's gonna require a lot of work and sacrifice and and people figuring out a way to support these these businesses and these entrepreneurs it's we're we're not supporting them enough um, whether it be the grant money is being raised not being distributed right or whether it's um not enough investment and capital um, um, going into the social equity uh, and the social justice uh, movements. You know, the social justice movement in particular um, in the cannabis side of things, you know, we lost a lot of our funders to, 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 for different reasons. Some of them just passed away. Some of them um, funding other things because they all look at the industry and they say, well, you have an industry now. The industry should fund it. It shouldn't be, me, um, super wealthy person, I want to go fund, uh, you know, saving the planet. Um, you've got industry now, you need to fund it. And then, you know, we have a hard time getting the industry to fund it. And so, and in, in some respects, there's, and in some pockets, and maybe more than some, our groups are not being funded. Our social justice and social equity groups are not being funded. So we, 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 we need like we said a minute ago, you know, we need these big, big groups to step up and people are afraid because they don't want to compete. Um, and, right. you know, it's like, come on, man, that's just the lamest excuse in the world. Create a level playing field. Um, if we create a level playing field, our community, legacy people like me, people of color, queer folks, women, people, small businesses will compete. We'll mm -hmm. compete just fine. Give us a level playing field. Very few of us want global domination. Some of us do. Go for it. That's your thing. No problem. Um, but most of us, we just want our spot. You know, we want our spot. We want to be able to provide for our families, our communities, maybe have a little regional company. Um, and, and we have that right and that obligation to make sure that happens. We can't have big corporate cannabis eat all that up. Um, and in fact, it's in their best interest to make sure those businesses exist in the ecosystem, you know, we need corporate cannabis to make sure hempcrete is replace concrete. We need corporate cannabis to make sure that uh, hemp fiber get is replaces steel and other heat conducting elements. We can conduct heat with plants. We don't have to use metals and extracted materials. I mean, there's just so much you can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and corporate cannabis can do all the, is already doing those things and can do those things and can invest in those things and get a lot more scale than selling people joints, man. Um, uh, and, and, and we can leave that ecosystem to our people. Um, and I think that that's, that's sort of the vision I see or I want to see. Um, and I think we can, you know, it'll be a struggle. <laughs> None of this comes easy to answer the question from Santa Rosa. I hope I'm answering the question. Uh, I, I'm hopeful the industry doesn't do enough. It's hard. Um, more and more is happening and we got to put the pressure on. We just got to keep uh, putting the pressure on. And, but I'm seeing a lot of hopeful things right now. I'm, 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 I, this month for black history month, I visited four, black owned dispensaries in San Francisco. And I did a little video about them and let people know about them and where you can. And, and then I went to the one I went to today. They had a whole display of other 
equity brands and products that you could buy, um, dozens of, of brands that are owned by people of color. And you can support these companies now. They're in the market. They're not as big as we want. There's not as many of them as we want, but they're there. And you, you got to dig for it. You got to look for it. And that wasn't there five years ago. And I think um, that your answer is, is right to the point at the end there, which is that uh, top down, like you said, you know, uh, you got to change from the bottom up or from the inside out. So as a supporter, as a, as a purchaser, I don't like the word consumer. I just think it's really belittling. Um, yeah. As a purchaser of these products, you can hop online. Take a look at who the people are that own the company. If that's the people you want to support, I'm probably wildly wrong here, but in most, in most things, the product is the product. They're about the same. You know, Samsung phone or an Apple phone or whatever phone, it's the same thing. You, want to, it's, you can nitpick over differences, but you're going to get good product probably. So go oh, with, and the small, like yeah, yeah, the small yeah. equity shops and the legacy shops, you're going to get better product. These are craftsmen. Um, well, they pay attention to the product because they yeah. care about the product because they smoke the product uh, right. themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, this is just like a winemaker or a bread maker. Um, you know, this is the, there's real craft in in these folks, and um, they're applying it, and so so you get a better experience by and large uh, for the cannabis the actual cannabis is, itself. Do you have, uh, we do this thing where the guest gets to issue a super nice challenge. You issue a challenge to the listeners, something they can do to make their world or the world around them you know, a little bit nicer. It can be a one-shot thing, like, hey, write a letter to a prisoner. It could be something they do as part of their new routine every day. Got something for people? Well, that's a really fantastic ritual you have there. Well, my first instinct is hand somebody a cannabis product for free, um, whether it be a CBD gummy or a THC joint or wherever you live. That, that would be my first instinct. But, but on a personal care basis, just to make the world a little nicer, we have to take care of ourselves, right? But first, first the self, then the family, then the the city, then the country, right? And then the, the, the world. So we, we move outward. And I, I've been trying to slow down, just slow everything down. And whether you do that with meditation, sometimes you can get a guided meditation app for free or just slow everything down and take a moment to be grateful and just be in the moment and, and trust yourself. Because um, if you're doing this, if you're listening to this, you're on the road to trying to make the world a nicer place. So make yourself nicer by just slowing down, being grateful for yourself and carrying on. I and, then, and then hand somebody some weed. And then, <laughs> then you go even slower. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, slow down. I was in, it's years now, I was in, in um, Belize. Somewhere uh, I love Belize. Nowhere, and I got busted in Belize. <laughs> but you still love it. There was a cardboard sign nailed to a post and it was hand painted. It had a little turtle on the bottom and it said, go slow in big, bold letters. And I took a photo of it on my old phone. I'm like, oh my God, yes, I need that. Because I talk fast. I walk fast. I do all these yeah. things way too quickly. And so I'm terrible. Then, I've been yeah. trying to remember. It's been a decade more yeah. uh, to slow down. And when I do, when I'm successful with it, the days grow longer. The mind grows clearer. It's, it's a tonic, folks. It really is. Slowing down 
makes you get more done more quickly, as weird as that sounds. And you're also less stressed the whole time. So any which way you can slow down, it's a fantastic challenge. I urge you to, to take it up. Yeah, I'm glad you said all those things. We're, we're not good at it in our culture. So that's my challenge to all of you. Love it. Okay. And then we wrap these with handing the mic to you. Uh, you get to ask me a question, any question for me that, that you're curious about, you throw it at me. Okay. Um, I want to know, I want to know who was the first person that you shared cannabis with and what was the experience like? Would that be the first time I turned somebody else onto it or the first time I just, because the first time I did it, there were several people that were, we were all new at the same time. Okay. So, all right. Tell me that, that story. Okay. All right. That one I can remember the most clearly because it's the de-virginization story, which I'm sure you've heard thousands of. <laughs> this was Chico, California. I, uh, oh, many, many, many <laughs> people have lost their <laughs> I had just turned virginity in Chico. <laughs> or I had just turned 18 or just about to. So my birthday is June 10. It was toward the end of the school year. And I had a lot of detention I had to serve for cuts. <laughs> I had 63 cuts in my final semester. Of oh, my school. goodness. Classes cut. You know, because I had my own car and I was in theater. So I was painting flats. That was detention. It was like weekend. Right. Weekend detention. Right. Painting flats for a play. Right. Yeah. And so it was lunchtime. And uh, a buddy of mine said, hey, let's take, let's take a walk. I've got some, you know, got some stuff. I'm like, oh, wow. Cool. So a few of us did. We went out to this field under this bridge, this little culvert kind of thing. But nobody had anything to smoke it in. So we're scouring everywhere <laughs> you know this is like the first time pipe for so many people somebody finds a tin can yeah right? so they dent the tin can you put some holes in it you put your shitty shake on there and then you you know smoke it through the the, the can right that yep, was my yep. first right uh -huh. um and uh there were a number <laughs> of us where it was their first so then we get back you know 15 minutes later i don't know if it's my first high when I was like eight, I went to Pink Floyd in Oakland with my brother and sister. And I think I got a good contact high there. <laughs> Boom. This is, you know, the big bed crashing into the stage with flames and a giant pig. And I'm like eight years old. I'm like, what is this? What's <laughs> so anyway, cool. I get back to the, to painting the flats. And these are long flats. You have a big um, roller on a long stick. And I had to paint these perfectly straight lines. You know, that's my <laughs> when I get back and I'm stoned. Uh, needless to say, they had to redo everything I did that afternoon. It was a complete <laughs> disaster. And the, it was similar for the rest of the crew that was working on the, that, whatever that performance was, some high school play. We kind of we screwed everything up because we just were experiencing this different state for the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, you were having a hard time painting in the lines that I was day. having a hard time painting in the lines. I didn't find it. I was like, oh, this is cool. But I didn't really learn about cannabis myself. I was, you know, in my early 20s. Like, I didn't stay with it at that point. You know? Well, you didn't have a good set and setting. It was I, probably I think set and setting. It is. Yeah, all your set and setting was wrong, man. Yeah. <laughs> in the college years, people, you know, you have a joint or a, a bong or something. And then you're also drinking. And you really, you know, it's like, that's a terrible mix. At least it is for me. Yeah. You get the spins and all that. Spins. Right? Yeah. And then I'm yeah. like, this is awful. It was, yeah. I, it was years later. And, and then really of course you blame drink. the weed, not the booze. Not the booze. Yeah. <laughs> the booze is terrible. The booze is terrible. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a real big fan of alcohol at all. 
Uh, I'm not saying it's terrible. It's just terrible for me. But you're in college. We all drank like yeah. a lot. You exactly. Know? And Chico State, folks. If, if anybody's familiar with Chico <laughs> State and alcohol, they kind of go hand in hand. Surprisingly, from like 19 to 24, I didn't I didn't drink. I was just like, I'm not mm-hmm. drinking anymore. This is, this is I crazy. stopped shortly after college, too. Yeah, I'm Cali sober. Yeah. So <laughs> I just uh, anyway, so that was my first great question. I always go uh, way too long on a, on tangents. On no, that's a great, uh, that's great. There's a lesson in there and that's the set and setting lesson, right? Of course. Yeah. Um, some yeah. people might say the sanitation of the uh, rusty old can might be a second lesson, <laughs> but I forgive yeah, I that so. one. I mean, yeah. you're young and strong. You can get through the rusty can, but having to go back to detention stoned is... <laughs> Pretty uh, not a good look, man. <laughs> Later that night was my second. Somebody had a pipe, but they didn't have a screen. So I just I opened the window of my bedroom and took some scissors and cut some of the uh oh brilliant screen from yes. my window. I'm so sorry. Well, mom's not here anymore, but sorry, mom. I'm sure that cost us later on our uh deposit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was ingenious though. That was ingenious. Yes. Andrew, thank you so much. Thanks for spending your time with us. I really do appreciate it. I do hope people get involved. Uh, again, the the URL, how you can help out, the letter writing, donations, anything you want to do to get involved, they're in the show notes. Lastprisonerproject.org. Lastprisonerproject.org. The Instagram is just Last Prisoner Project. Cool stories yeah. there, cool success stories, all that kind of stuff. Just get involved. If you want to write a letter, let me know. Let Super Nice Club know. Let Andrew know. Uh, I'll send you some stickers. It's just a great thing. Get these people out back into society with expunged records. This is a good thing. This is a good thing to do. So 14 in January. Next January needs to be 1400. All right. And it's only going to get there, folks, if we all chip in, if we all do something about it, we all tell people. So get the word out, pass this podcast along, or even faster, just pass the website along, lastprisonerproject.org. Andrew, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. It was great to be with you today, Todd. So there you have it, a super nice conversation with the super nice Andrew D'Angelo. Hope you enjoyed it. Would love your feedback. Just head over to the Facebook, 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 Facebook or Instagram pages or message us, uh, call us, text us. So many ways to get a hold of Super Nice Club. Let us know. Love to know what you think of that podcast. And then look, if you're a cannabis user or just someone who believes in true and humane justice, which often is, is not the same thing as justice is defined by a legal system, getting these folks out of prison should resonate with you, right? So visit lastprisonerproject.org online and get involved. Maybe, maybe start... Like, like I am, with just writing a letter to a prisoner. There's a list of them on the site, along with their photos and their stories, most of which will make you want to cry. So, okay, so just get involved. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Even more, thank you for subscribing and sharing, as many of you do. It truly makes a difference. We don't do sponsors. We don't do ads. That's the super nice way. But that means we only grow through word of mouth. So please, please Support that. Give us your help. All right. Next week on Nice Work, we are dipping back. Yeah, we're dipping back into the cannabis world, but in a completely different way with the wild, hilarious, beautiful, and talented Estranja Leganja. Just wait. Just wait. All right. Thanks, everybody. Stay nice.
If you wanted to be nicer, then you could lend a helping hand. If you wanted to be nicer, then you could see your neighbor's band. If you wanted to be nicer, then you could put away your clothes. If you wanted to be nicer, you can teach everything you know. And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice. And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more So what? Big deal.